Hello, this is the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, a show for creatives who are marketing their work online. I'm Helen Perry, your host. Thank you for coming. This time we're talking about one of my favourite work topics, selling. I know, try telling my 10 years ago self that selling is something I like to talk about, but it is because it's important. It's how we get to keep doing what we love. Our guest, Sarah Dalrymple, agrees. I don't want my clients spending 100 years putting all the hours in, literally, for pennies. And that is, unfortunately, especially with female business owners, not that, you know, this is not just a, this is not a gender-specific issue per se, but certainly there are quirks with women, which mean that they quite feasibly will continually stay in the kind of creation mode and if it means not having to receive the money in. But we know that people don't start businesses to be charities. Sarah is a sales and business mentor. She helps coaches and creatives sell more comfortably and easily online. And she's written a book about it called More Sales Please to take down more of the barriers that often women, not always, but often women put up when it comes to telling people about what we do or make and how they can buy it. Most of my life, I told myself a story about not being good at or comfortable with selling, that selling is not something nice. It's for people who sell dodgy secondhand cars. But it's not true. It's all lies. Now I know it's just telling. It's just telling people what you do and how they can get it often enough that they stand half a chance of hearing the message amidst all the noise. We're going to get into why we feel this deep awkwardness about selling so that we can stop feeling it. And I began by asking Sarah whether she's always been comfortable with selling and sales or has had to learn to feel good about it. I spent my entire school age years deeply unconfident in the visibility arena, I would say. That's the truth. And I'm 42 now, so we're going back a bit there. So yeah, the journey did not start with me, you know, buying sweets on the way to school and then selling them for a handsome markup. But I did subsequently figure out a few things about selling by the long and windy path of working in investment banking for 10 years where I was selling uh interest rate products which were you know a certain form a certain form of selling and then I became a wedding photographer for five years and sold photography packages and then I transitioned again into this and actually I would say even though I started off deeply unconfident at selling which I feel like makes me someone who can very much relate to anybody else who doesn't you know start on day one of business feeling really confident about it as soon as you realise that selling is not, in fact, the dark art that we all kind of maybe were peddled in, especially the 80s and probably a bit of the 90s, it's actually just communicating with people about what it is that you do and why you do it. Everything gets much easier. So that's the good news. It does. It can get, I mean, I am here to say it can get easier pretty quickly, actually, as well. I'm only probably three or four years into being somebody who sells a lot of the time. Uh, and it increasingly, 
I could even say it's something I quite enjoy doing now. Um, at first, I had to steal myself for it and be like, oh, oh, oh. I know, you know, I know I've got to do this if I want to keep running my business, but oh, I wish I didn't have to. To now just being like, it's just part, of, just just a, an element of my work is selling it to people. Okay, I mean, it's a huge, huge topic to get into, but why? Do women particularly, and perhaps women who are, I'm older than you, I'm 47, but perhaps women who grew up um, in the 80s, 90s, noughties, why do we find selling counterintuitive, awkward, gross, not something nice people do what you know what 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 is going on well a lot is going on especially against that backdrop but let's look at the stereotypes for a, for a starter for 10 the myths or the kind of real life examples that we've experienced whether that's you know only fools and horses in the 80s we, although we love Delvoy we love Delvoy don't we but it isn't necessarily isn't necessarily the way that we want to be doing it in 2023 uh or we could look at wall street and i'm talking the 80s movie not the real life version although i'm sure there are similarities um pretty much every kind of sales stereotype i can think of actually from that time period is a man for a start and a wheeler dealer for second uh so if you're a woman and you're not a wheeler dealer you're already you know not necessarily being well represented by those kind of stereotypes so that's one thing like there was the you know there's a lot of not very great stereotypes and real life experiences going on there but then on the other side of things as women if you're growing a business as a woman who did grow up in the 80s 90s noughties as you say um you were probably quite probably quite quite likely to have been brought up in the kind of way that maybe you weren't overly encouraged to step forward and step into the limelight and you know really take that space up and actually completely the opposite was often true even if you know even though there was a really kind of pro-feminist movement of sorts going on at the time it didn't necessarily extend to sharing your own opinions or having your own thoughts and being really comfortably able to share them with people, let alone the internet, which was very much in its infancy. So we are dealing with a quite a lot of, you know, issues uh, as regards what we were taught was appropriate behaviour for women. And women weren't really business owners in the 80s and 90s. So we didn't really have a lot of good role modelling there. We might have had some kind of power suit wearing, shoulder pad donning, city kind of successful career women in our kind of eye line but that's not necessarily the vibe for right now and what we're doing in the small business community uh so there is a lot of you know misrepresentation and stereotypes and layering and conditioning and programming all coming together for a lovely cocktail of um discomfort i think we'll call it i've written down two words while you were talking what you got me thinking about um the reason why it, it can be so difficult to step into that place of talking about what you do um, with a view to getting people to buy into it. For a start, you're asking for something from people. You're asking for, at the very least, a bit of their attention and their time to listen. You know, you're asking for their attention and you're attaching value to what you're offering. You're having to say, this is good whether it's a product or a service. And that can is a deeply awkward thing, I think, for certain, not just women, certain people to say, I attach value to this. This is the price I've attached to it. And I would like you to pay for it, not have it for free. And that can be 
very hard to get past in in the beginning well think about it i mean attention seekers have never really been something aspirational that word that word <gasps> that that expression it takes you back right you've literally just said like i'm i'm asking for your attention if not your money that's number one that's horrific and then you know actually attaching value to what you're doing is not something that women through the centuries have been particularly encouraged to do either if you think about actually you know receiving money as women or doing things not for free these are reasonably brand new concepts i would say so we are kind of having to move on a brand new edge versus our you know generations before us who frankly weren't either able to access money of their own let alone earn it let alone be anything other than kind of sort of squashed down for having the audacity to ask for anything actually so i mean that that phrase attention seeker has just said chills through me i mean how many times have we of course how many has. times have we either said that about another probably woman or heard it about a woman such an attention seeker you know i mean ugh. so having said all of that you know i think anybody should listening who has these feelings of discomfort should real really feel kind of at peace, it's actually quite natural when you think of the backdrop and the fact that, you know, a lot of women who are out there now selling and asking for a profile and taking up space are pioneering in that space um, without examples, without lots of people to model themselves on. In fact, often you're maybe modeling yourself on a bloke that you think, oh, I could kind of do it that way. Um, it's no wonder people find it so hard. Exactly. I mean, that's that's genuinely like any one of those things would be enough to kind of encourage you to think that actually maybe being visible and showing up isn't such a safe place to be when you could just stay in the pack and shrink yourself down but actually by default the minute you step into kind of having your own business and having a business with an online presence of any sort of any size um the two things are a real clash energetically we can't be shrinking and standing out that just doesn't make any sense so which is it and if you're choosing to shrink, then you're choosing not to be seen and not to be visible. And that has, you know, a direct implication on your cash flow situation. So then if we look at how we're going to stand out, we do have to push against this edge. And, you know, even though it is a pioneering one. There's something a, a coach, uh, Becca McLeish, said to me once about um, expanding your comfort zone. And you, you, you talking about edges made me think of it. Um, and certainly something you can do with selling is you can create a new comfort zone with every single time that you do it. You push the edges of your comfort zone out further and further and further until you're sitting in a place where you're actually pretty comfortable, which is probably where I would describe myself as now with talking about, you know, what my product is, how much it costs, what you get without feeling like ugh every time what is Sarah what's your way of looking at selling what is your way of talking about selling to the people that you work with yeah so for me it's actually it's actually well there's it's I'm a meze kind of girl Helen I don't like to choose just one way of anything so there's a lot of different directions I could take this in but ultimately when we think about like essential business tasks from day one of business selling is a day one essential non-negotiable task that needs to be done every day from day one so not once we've got more people on our email list or more of a profile or more of a comfort level around being visible it is a day one essential if the goal 
with that business is to pay your bills and then some, you know. So I think, and I only say that to break it down for anyone who maybe, because as we as we know, we haven't had loads of role models here. If we haven't grown up around other business owners or other people who are doing this stuff, it can feel really overwhelming to step into having a business and suddenly thinking, what, what is my priority here? I think it's super helpful to see it as, a, as just a task, one of a collection of tasks that you're going to have to to commit to undertake if yeah. you want this business to work it, it, it it's no different from doing your books and also doing the bit that you really like which might be the why you're doing what you're doing delivery but it is yes. just yes. it's just another job exactly that and it's a job that you don't need it you definitely shouldn't and don't need to be spending all day every day doing so i do think with you know with selling because it does have well, first thing I want to say, actually, is to just release any of the kind of negative associations of selling and actually rewrite your version of what selling is going to be in your business. So you you like to say it's just telling. It's telling people what you do. In my world, it's very much about being being comfortable with, you know, being yourself and showing up as who you are and doing it in the way that you want to do it. So if you don't want to look like a Del Boy when you're selling, don't sell like Del Boy. Actually, just talk about your products and your services in a way that is how you would be talking to your friends over lunch, for example. So I think, you know, that's very much about that resistance to doing anything our own way, because we've very much been taught to you know, receive the information in at school. If you think about how you learn anything at school, I'm looking at really the way my children are doing it now. It's just like they get sent all this information, they have to memorise it and then they have to regurgitate it and they don't have to, you know, put their own spin on it really. It's just a case of learn, regurgitate, pass the exam, get the grade, safe zone. But so I think we de- by default step into business ownership and we think, right, how's that person doing it? Okay, I'll do it like that. Or where who can I find that's doing it? you know, and I'll just learn that and that's how we'll do it. But I would say that the best way to sell is the way that feels comfortable to you talking about what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Because if you're clear on how that's like, how you're, you know, giving that information out, your audience is going to be clear. And if they're clear, then we've started the sales process because nobody's going to be buying anything until they're clear on what it actually is. So let's start with being comfortable, being clear, and then we can build from there. You ha- you've led me in exactly the direction I wanted to go in. What is the beginning of an effective sales strategy? Where do we start with having a business that sells things? Yes. So I would say that the big, very beginning is being able to establish or help your audience, whether that's one person, 10 people, 100 people, helping the people who are in your audience to understand whether what you're selling is relevant for them. So we've just established some relevance. And that comes from, you know, being able to clearly communicate what it is that we're selling and actually not just in terms of the literal highlighter pen. Uh, but you know what it actually you know, what it actually is going to do for that person so for example when I was selling interest rate derivatives I wasn't selling it wasn't really about the product the derivative as much as it was about the safety you know the insurance the kind of risk aversion that you get from having that thing or when I was selling wedding photography it wasn't really about the photos conversely it was actually about the emotion of having all your family around you and all your friends and all the fun of the day captured and even with selling it's you know it's very much about emotion first what are we actually talking to so the relevance piece isn't just about the literal 
pen or the photography or the derivative it's actually about what's sitting behind that that they're going to really get that they want it's that is oh, it's a tricky thing like what am i really selling what are you what are you really selling now sarah i'm selling uh hitting like whatever cash flow level that you want to get to in as little amount of time as possible with as much ease as possible because I don't want my clients spending a hundred years just putting all the hours in literally for pennies that doesn't make and that is unfortunately especially with female business owners not that you know this is not just a this is not a gender specific issue per se but certainly there are quirks with women which mean that they quite feasibly will continually stay in the kind of creation mode and if it means not having to receive the money in. But we know that people don't start businesses to be charities. We know that people start businesses to pay their bills. So I'm selling making that as easy as possible and as quick as possible. And I'm telling you now that working for nothing is not going to feel good in quite a short time scale. Well, it's a, yeah. It's a a race to burnout and most people are trying to escape from burnout, which is why they started their businesses in the first place. So we don't want to recreate all of that stuff in our own businesses, which is why we have to have the ease. How do you get somebody to that point of understanding that they're not selling a bunch of flowers, they're sending like an act of love that's what they're really selling or they're not you know how how do you get somebody if somebody's listening thinking well I sell coaching or I sell journals or whatever it is I just sell journals don't I so I describe what the journals like what actually are how do you get to that point do you talk to your customer your potential customer how do you find yeah you can do that market obviously huge fan of market research and actually having awareness that there is a need for the the thing that you're going to end up you know selling into the narrative that you're going to create around that of course this is important we have to be hugely integrity led at all times this is important too but what we need to start with is yes you know yes it is a journal or a notebook or whatever but what's going in the notebook what's you know what's the feeling around having all your you know maybe it's an organization tool maybe it's a gifting situation so maybe you're kind of solving the problem it's not always about problems but sometimes it is so maybe we're solving the problem for people who are time poor and harangued and who just need a present for auntie doris tomorrow and you have this lovely journal and you are able to ship it really quickly and it's beautiful and it's handmade and it ticks all the boxes of sustainability and there is some creative flair in there um so it's not always as it's not it doesn't need to be a feeling per se but I, I say we need to establish what's really going on like why we're selling it so that we can understand that you know how people buy things is not by pure logic 95% of the time it's it starts with an emotional connection either to the product or to you or to the feeling they're going to get when they have the product or some form of all three. So without emotion, if we're just talking about what it is, hello, my name's Sarah, and I'll help you with sales. Do you need more sales? Would you like more sales? Sales, sales, sales. That's really reductive in terms of the overall kind of potential client base that I could have when I start talking about the reality of wanting more women to have more of the money and why I think that's so important and why, you know, this is a brand new thing and why actually the default setting is that probably you're going to find this kind of hard if you don't come from a sales or marketing background and you don't have a natural amount of experience in this area. So I think it's it's owning your own narrative. It's knowing why it matters to you and being able to share why it matters to you so that the other people it matters for can decide whether it matters to them too. And how do you start weaving that into an effective 
sales message? What are the ingredients after you've got the, I suppose you would call that the why or something, uh, like why, why do you sell it and why do people buy it? That's fine. But in order to make a sale, you need to drive an action usually. So what do you talk to your clients about in terms of, right, okay, so now we really, we're really plugged into like what it is you really sell and why somebody would want it and why it feels good. What is then the strategy for shifting units and getting booked. so then we've got to make it really easy for people to make decisions so we're not in the business of asking people to buy from us or cajoling or coercing or any of those nasties that's not the vibe here what we're trying to do is make it really easy for people to go from oh yeah i really like helen i like her podcast and i like her content and i like you know her message I, we want to make sure it's then really easy for them to make a decision that's easy, that doesn't actually expend loads of their energy and doesn't have them digging around on your website for options or doesn't have them trying to fathom a million different potential ways that they could work with you or a million different applications of the ways that your work can in fact help them. So that's really about, you know, understanding, depending on where it is that you're progressing people through. So this might be social media or emails or podcast or any piece of content that you're creating will serve a purpose, whether it's establishing the relevance piece or once we've done that, whether it's about getting people to an easy yes, no decision. We don't mind if the decision is no, no, thank you, not right now, or yes, great, sounds perfect. That's for our clients to work out. But what we need to be worrying about is have I, have I really made this as easy as it possibly could be to understand what's available? What is on the menu today? And actually who that is for? And are people able to see how comfortable I am sharing who this is for and who this is not for? Because if I'm not really comfortable, i.e. clear, then they're probably not going to really be that comfortably clear. And then they're going to have to do some calorie expenditure trying to figure it out. And we've lost them. Which they're not going to do. Um, they're not going to do. They're not going to do it. Not going to do it. When was the last time you did it? Sat there and gone, oh, I really feel like I want to give somebody 20 minutes here so I can work out what it is they're selling and how much it costs. It's just not a thing. Um, I do feel like there is an element of you have to sort of put your big girl pants on at some point and just be like, I want this to work. I want to sell these things. I'm just going to have to decide even if even if it's kind of like a Sasha Fierce type thing, I'm just going to have to decide that this is worth people buying. And because if you can't stand next to your product and talk about why it's good, how on earth are you expecting anybody to believe in it enough to part with their money? Well, nobody's exactly like we lead the process always. So we let people make their own decisions, but we can't lead with a shaky, sketchy. Oh, I don't know. That just feels so uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it energy because that, you know, the energy always leads. If you're leading with shaky, sketchy, uncertain energy, then your buyer is also going to feel, you know, shaky, sketchy, uncertainty. So in order for them to, you know, if you have to take this back a notch, we want people to buy people. First of all, we love to buy things when the, when the, you know, when it's the right thing. I think we need, it's really easy to forget that people love shopping. We love to buy things, but we want it to be easy. We want it to be fun. So let's bring the joy. Let's remember that actually, we want to part with our money because it feels like the absolute right thing. You know, we are pumped. We are empowered. We have the information we needed. We are literally enthusiastic. We're not, this is not about prizing somebody's last tenor off them when they really don't want to give it up. This is about 
having enough conviction in your own skill set and expertise and ability to talk to people about what it is that they're really getting and letting them feel excitement. So let's not forget that this is a really important part of the emotional connection process. Like we have to share our own conviction because if we can't do that, like I said, sketchy, shaky foundation for a sale is not I don't want to call clients in like that I don't want people going I'm really not sure but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it I want people to feel sure and really excited yeah agreed there are like there are lots of people like us I suppose Sarah selling these kind of messages offering to help people with their marketing um and I feel like there are a lot of also kind of I suppose recipes answers techniques that are being shared online that aren't that great and you've hinted at like ethical sales or authentic sales or what you know I like you say I have absolutely no desire at all for somebody to buy in my case one of my courses and then not be able to take part in it because they panic bought it because I've been using all these like buy now or miss out or last chance or all these messages that really kind of spook people into buying things where are your boundaries where should our boundaries be well I think first of all like we touched on before that we want to always use our own discernment here we're not looking to outsource the way we sell to how anybody else you know the way anybody else is telling you that you should sell the caveat to that being you know if as long as you are selling in some way shape or form I'm happy and I suspect you are too like I don't I'm not you know, we need to recognise it must be done, but how you do it is up to you. So we, you know, we can we can p- choose bits that we feel comfortable with or not. We can try things if we don't feel they're you know quite in alignment. We can move on from them. I would say that the sales process, as long as it is driven by you know a very well thought out, you know, are you comfortable at every stage with what you're doing, or are you doing it because somebody told you to do it? We're all going to have different viewpoints on where the lines are my lines are I know what you know to keep my energy high for example there are certain things I will never do because it drains my energy completely let alone what it must be like for my audience I have played with certain things I've ruled them out one by one I have found my own kind of way of that I feel comfortable and for me that is everyday selling I just have you know I got to do some selling every day because I don't love the the live launch kind of fanfare I mentioned I mentioned launches in an email to you I I wanted to talk I I sense a sort of general fatigue particularly maybe around the female founder space around like heavy duty launches and by that I mean like I'm going to open the doors on this thing and in 10 days it's going to be closed and I'm going to spend the next 10 days posting five times to Instagram sending out 20 emails running free webinars and then by the end of it you are so knackered you can't deliver the thing you've fallen on the ground and you need a month to recover that is not I mean for me it's so much about not burning out not running out of energy actually having lots of space and ease and you know not really being rules driven per se so that's just not going to work for me on so many levels I'm really happy to let people know what's available to them at any given point in time does that mean that there will sometimes be more of a focus on one thing sure does it mean that there's anything wrong with live launching if you have the energy and the capacity for it absolutely not i want to be absolutely clear it works if it works for you it works that's kind of the point here um 
But I do I think it's absolutely necessary to pummel your audience with a hundred emails and a million different in order to achieve success as a salesperson and in business? Absolutely not. Am I really thrilled that that model is waning off? Absolutely. Because there was a time where that was the dominant kind of, if you want to, you know, have any success online, this is what you must do. And I just didn't understand what was no. happening there. So I think I'm thrilled it's... to bits that, we you know, we're not doing that. So, you know, a monopoly style. I do. And I do do launches, but I would say they are much less intense now than I have done in the past because I have, you know, live courses. So things are date driven. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, right. But I think what the kind of launch culture can be about is rinsing every single because you're using up every single ounce of energy with every single launch. You're rinsing every possible, I suppose, penny out of every launch where actually I've come to realize that a long term sustainable business is not like every launch is not your last launch. Every sale you make is not the last sale you make. It's more about this consistent level of being visible, being available, people knowing what you do, being top of mind so that when sales opportunities exist, enough people are going to be open to it that you're making enough money to keep going or thrive. Right. And this is where this consistency or everyday kind of approach. And by the way, I want to be clear that that doesn't mean all day, every day. I'm very much here for 30 minutes a day and then go and live your life, you know, kind of territory. Um, but the reason we do that is because we want to make sure our audience are, you know, we don't know. We can't control when people are going to come online or read their emails or do the thing, you know. But we want to make sure that when they do do that, there's something fresh and relevant to them for them to consume because when we're able to have that kind of relationship-based focus we're never letting people get so kind of cold to what was going on that they've completely forgotten and now we've got to start from the beginning and so have they again we want them to remember your name and what you're doing and we want to be able to give them these small repeatable doses of information that is digestible and that isn't you know they wouldn't want all the pressure to be on that one you know 10-day period or that one post being absolutely perfect it's ridiculous. We don't need perfect. We don't need the best caption or the best Canva, you know, design going. We need clarity and small repeatable messages because then we can really help people understand what they're going to get when they come to your profile or read your emails, which is also part of the sort of sales process. Like we don't need to be giving them a thousand messages. We need to be giving people consistent, well thought out, clear messages so that when the time's right for them, they can read the email and they can decide if they want to buy. I hope what people are hearing from this is if if you're not selling anything much at the moment, most likely it's because you've not, people don't know, people haven't heard, you haven't told them. Almost certainly that's why. You could have a product problem as well. But again, that would probably be because you're not talking about your thing enough. So you're not having conversations that allow you to create the products people want. But it's not because what you've got is rubbish. You know, we just, we can't, we can't, we can't. And, and I think that's probably where people get to quite quickly if they're not making any sales. Um, Immediately. But, and then it's like, oh, let me go and create something different. Let me go and create yes. a new course. Or let me go and tweak the wording on my website. Or let me go and upskill my Canva design skills. And it's none of those things. It's ultimately, it's it's very much, let's stick with the product as is. And let's refine the way we're communicating. I'm talk And the, sometimes the volume, as in, if you're only talking about it once a month, can we get that up to once a week and then can we get that up to a couple of times a week 
And then can we get that up to more days than not in the month, but just for 10, 15 minutes a day? Is that your ideal kind of strategy for people who are selling via content marketing? Do you think most most days? I would say so, because in my experience, with there aren't too many people walking through the door of starting a business and having that ability to take the action you know, we're really overthinking that part of it to the point where it's like, I just don't want to do it. So I think the quicker we can get into a rhythm with it, the better when it comes to actually assessing whether this product is going to sell or not. Because if we know that we're showing up most days, we know that it's not that, right? Yeah, it's constant, like that science experiment element. It's constantly like, what's the feedback? Why aren't people buying it? Which messages are they responding to? And if you're not throwing enough stuff out there, you're just not getting those learnings back that allow you to continue and and build yeah and there just aren't enough opportunities for people to get to know what's going on and there aren't enough opportunities for you to work out am I really clear about this did I miss something yeah 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 like you say if you're agonizing over one Instagram post for two weeks before you send it and then or taking hours creating it hours creating it you know in in a bubble with no no data that to tell you whether or not it's any good you're you're trying to guess how to make the perfect thing and and like you say there's no such thing anyway you've written a book I want to talk about that I, I am a great admirer of book writers because it requires you to sit your bum in a chair and you know write stuff tell tell me tell me about this book that you have written oh I'm so excited about it now that it is written um because it has taken me nearly a year to get it written which you know for us online business owners that is a that is a long old stint in a chair as you put it um my touch typing's never been better and the book itself is about is really a just a step-by-step guide for anyone who has a business whether it is a day one or an aspiration for the future or a business they've had for a while to make sure that they are getting the best out of the content they're putting out into the world to make sure that you know we're creating this ease of consistent selling so it's very much on the vibe of 30 minutes a day simple repeatable actions that actually snowball and compound and really mean that we don't have to get involved in am I doing it right is this clear because we've you know we've done it through the course of the 10 chapters in the book so needed there's such a need for more business books written by women in that in that different voice I think uh, and coming from uh understanding that the the real sort of deep-seated hang-ups people might have about talking about their product and attaching value to it yeah i think that's exactly it i mean i when i was looking through all the stat research and stats on what you know well i think it was something like six out of ten small of this in the small business community six out of ten businesses aren't aren't online they're not marketing online at all because they're so scared of of it all and I think as we were saying you know 80s and 90s we didn't have phones in our hands let alone <laughs> Instagram or you know e- you know we weren't razzing off email so this is overwhelming to a huge ch- chunk of the small business economy and actually when I looked at the small business economy and the kind of economic uh, contribution it's 25% of GDP and actually there are way more women business owners than there are than there ever have been before but if they were supported and feeling more confident and actually able to be more visible the impact that they could be making financially is something like 250 billion pounds a year if they were starting and kind of scaling businesses at the same rate as men it is big stuff this is not like 
oh, how's your little business going, love, territory. This is like, you know, we really have, we need a do-over when it comes to the way we're approaching this stuff. And as you say, like lots of the books out there, certainly when I started, lots of the books out there were written by, you know, US bro marketing heroes, in inverted commas, fine, but also not necessarily what we need as Not our heroes, I would suggest. Not... I think I should have said gurus in inverted commas, but yeah, not my hero um, yeah. and not really, you know, we want selling to feel natural and effortless and that's not necessarily going to be natural or effortless for us for lots of different reasons. So yeah, this is like jargon free, straightforward, small, you know, repeatable stuff that we can all be doing. It's called More Sales, Please. It um, is. And it's available for pre-order right now, which is exciting. When's it out? So it will be landing on doormats on the 9th of January. How are you going to sell a book? <laughs> uh, is that that? Is it on? Is it on you yes, to sell it? Yes, it is entirely on me to sell it. I'm learning a lot, Helen. I will, I will be honest. I'm happy to come back and talk about this again in a few months' time. But right now, I'm selling it just like I would sell anything else, making sure people are aware of you know wh- who it's for and why I have you know, taking the trouble to get fantastic contributors like yourself in that book because we all need to have this conversation as regards, you know, like I said, we haven't got generations of prior people to draw on. So we need to have the conversation with the people who are doing it now, which is what, you know, what we've done in the book. So I will be spending the next couple of months having this conversation about why we need more women, not only to be starting the businesses, but also to be keeping them for the long haul without burning out and actually making them financially sustainable as quickly as possible uh, anywhere I can. So I will be doing lots of conversations. I will be knocking on independent bookshops doors. I will be definitely telling my own community about it and walking my own walk and talking about it daily, pretty much. Um, And I will have absolutely no qualms about doing so. (laughs) Congratulations. It's a great thing to get a book into the world. It really is. I'll put a pre-order link into the show notes and I'll take you up on that, like how to sell a book. That's another episode for a future series, I think. Um, So I'm just going to end by asking you, I'm going to put you on the spot, three things a person could do to sell more, like now. Mm -hmm. All right. Number one, if you don't, if you don't, if at the moment you don't have a plan, then get one because you need to not be guessing with this stuff because you can spend years in that guesswork loop and Ooh, what we does, don't have time for that. I'm going to interrupt. What does a plan look like? A sales plan? So it, a, a, it might quite simply be, a, and I'm, what I mean by that is if you've never worked in sales and marketing before and you are just throwing spaghetti at the wall, it might really be a case of, finding a resource free or paid that's going to walk you through what the essential kind of steps are in the process i.e how are we establishing relevance here are we have we got a place for emotional connection to happen are we kind of happy with the relationship we are creating with our audience and are we making it as easy as possible for them to make decisions how are we doing all those things or are we just throwing content out willy-nilly hoping it's going to create sales magic for us because that's what I would call guesswork. So first of all, you know, I want to call call out all the people who are potentially hope, hoping that just by virtue of being on social media or sending out emails that that's going to work. That's not a sales plan. Uh, we want to use social media and emails to our to work with our sales plan once we've got one. So that's that's point one. It doesn't. Have, this is not complicated, but this is a case of 
are we doing actions, you know, for a reason or are we doing them because we think we should be doing them or we're hoping that they're going to work for us? Um, so yeah, obviously that's things like, you know, the, you listening to your podcast, which is fantastic, buying my book or just looking at, you know, looking, there's so, the, the great thing about the education economy is there are resources everywhere, blog posts, you know, people's accounts. So you don't need to spend a lot of money on this, but you need to learn, you know, if you haven't done it before, you need to learn like what's involved. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we here? No. In- I built, I built my knowledge base off reading books like yours a few years ago. That is how I learned to do this stuff. I didn't pay a coach 20 grand or anything like that. You know, it's, it, it, it's mm. out there. No, on the first, yeah, don't do that on the first, you know, uh, on the first bit of your business journey. Um, and then the second bit is to be taking action, right? Are we actually taking action? Oh, is small repeatable action tick for the win, but it needs to be, is this happening in our heads and in our notebooks and in our conversations or is it happening, you know, out in the world? So are we talking most days in some way, shape or form to the people who are in our communities so that they can make easy, informed, empowered, excellent, excited, enthusiastic decisions. So that's point two, like let's have a plan and then let's start, you know, affecting the plan. Um, and then, you know, I probably add to that that anything that we're doing as content, whether it's on social media or email or anywhere, are we allowing it to sort of stack and compound? Because I would argue that, yeah, spending three hours on one Instagram post is not is not going to be a good use of your time versus spending, you know, divvying up that three hours across however many days and getting a message out there. Because that's how social media works. People are not looking for a lengthy, meaty piece of beautifully designed um a carousel to read when they could just be, you know, met with a daily piece of information from you. So are we are we leveraging social media or are we being dragged around by social media. So I would say tip number three is make sure you're leveraging it and then getting off and living your life uh, because that's a really important discipline for not burning out. Like it very much. And it's a bit of a difficult one, I suppose. But if a person starts to implement the Sarah Dalrymple plan, how long before you might start seeing some results, do you think? Oh, my goodness. It's how long... Obviously, that's a how long is a piece of string question. However... This happens fast. Like once your momentum is in motion, this is, you know, this, you said before that it can turn around from something you absolutely dread to something you enjoy quickly. I would absolutely echo that. But also result, you know, this is when you start getting people in your DMs or clients coming out of nowhere. I'm not trying to like, uh, manipulate the narrative that you're suddenly going to be flooded overnight once you sent out like a week's worth of posts but I'm doing a, a show up challenge right now people have you know had four bookings come in inquiries highest they've ever been more traction than they've ever had before and that's what we're looking for really because month in month out this stuff stacks so we're not looking for anything that's going to take you a hundred years to get results we're looking for the small action we can do that's going to get your results within the month and then we can build on that for next month and the one after and all that kind of thing so we're looking for you know day one of business you the more the more consistency you can show the quicker you're going to get those sales in and you're going to get them consistently well now we all know what to do thank you so much i mean i i actually could talk about this for twice as long so we'll come back to it another day for sure good luck with the book thank you so much for sharing your thoughts Thank you so much for having me. What a joy. It was just too short, wasn't it? So 
I'll see you again. <laughs> it's, do you know what? No, but it's, it's such a force for good. It's such a, a force for good to get women out there being properly remunerated or people who feel uncomfortable about sales to be properly paid and properly rewarded for the work they're putting in so they can keep doing it. It's only hearing this conversation back that I appreciate how important it is. We have got to stop allowing false narratives about attention-seeking, worth, value, money from holding us back and stopping us from earning as much as we could. But we can also, I think, go easy on ourselves when we realise that, of course, you might find it difficult to sell when for most of your life you've not had role models that sell or you've been made to feel like you're too much for being visible and taking up space. I've put a link to Sarah's book in the show notes. Go and get it and share this episode with your friends or on social media and subscribe to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Back soon. Bye for now.